Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we're here to talk about all the things going on in the Big Ten. It's another basketball episode, and we got a lot to talk about. There were some big wins, some terrible losses for some Big Ten teams, and a lot going on. We got our man Sonny here to talk about the big Illinois win that happened, what was it, last night? I mean, it's just, it's all a blur, all right? Illinois is on fire right now. <laughs> things are looking fantastic for them. I know Sonny is fired up to talk about it, and... Uh, uh, Indiana had a huge close win against Michigan. I know Burke is excited about that, so we're going to get into that. But before we get too far into it, let's go ahead and introduce our guys, tell tell you where you can find them at. Sonny, go ahead and introduce yourself, tell people where they can find you at. Sure, I'm Sonny. I'm uh, a part of the Big Banter Network, just like uh, the show that you're watching is. Um, I, you can find me at the Illini Cast, or sorry, at Illini Cast. Uh, we do a YouTube show. You can find us on all the uh, podcasts. Uh, we have a couple episodes a week um now that basketball season has started and Illini Nation is pretty rabid we're trying to throw out a new episode every day almost so please tune in that's awesome yeah get your Illini fill over there Burke go to tell people about you where they can find you at all right Burke White I am the Indiana basketball representative here on the Big Banter Network and uh, you can find me everywhere at Often Daunted uh you can listen to the podcast wherever you get your favorites and uh yeah, just just glad to be here on the uh, Big Ten Huddle, ready to talk some Big Ten basketball. Very good. Before we talk about that, let's go ahead and remind you to please like and subscribe. We appreciate that. That gets more of it stuff out there. And I got to tell you guys, listen, there are so many like SEC shows out there and all those things. Like They're killing us right now. We don't talk enough Big Ten. Uh, there's not enough podcasts. There's not enough shows. Okay, And it, you have seen the SEC bias in the college football playoffs. So if you guys want the Big Ten to start getting some respect, like, subscribe, tell your friends, let them know, uh, help them, help you, help them, whatever you want to say. All right, tell people about the Big Ten Huddle. We cover everything Big Ten basketball and football here. And on top of that, please do check out Big Banter Sports, Big BigBanterSports.com. It's where you can find all three of our podcasts and more for all your Big Ten media needs. All right, let's get into the games, guys. Our first game, Illinois, 98, Florida Atlantic, 89. Dusty May was going through it because Brad Underwood gave it to him. Terrence Shannon Jr. went off. Coleman Hawkins, he didn't have any like gaudy numbers or anything, but I thought he was playing very well. Uh, don't was it Domask, Sonny? I mean, dude, dude just went stupid. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy game. I loved watching it. It was a lot of fun. Sonny, what were your thoughts? Um, what you just said has kind of been the theme of the season. You know, the the team has been fun to watch. Um, you can tell the guys like each other. Brad Underwood, you know, he's he's had a different strategy almost every offseason for the last three years. And this year you can tell you know, he's kind of gotten tired of, you know, we've had the top recruiting class in the Big Ten the last couple of years and what's come of it. You know, he's kind of realized that, you know, having four, you know, uh, scholarships and giving it to four four stars doesn't always necessarily translate onto the court because one guy gets unhappy. They transfer midseason or, you know, at the end of the season, they've made an adjustment. They've decided to bring veterans in Marcus Damask was a, a, a Missouri Valley uh, Conference Player of the Year from Southern Illinois. We brought in Justin Harmon. Um, guys who are good culture guys and guys who have played in, you know, conference championships before. Uh, guys who are basically, you know, just they understand what it that what it takes to win as a team. And I'm telling you, you know, we've we've obviously Illinois has been pretty successful the last couple seasons, but this team is a little different just because you see the culture the guys like playing with each other you kind of saw it last night um this is you know we're in the middle of a pretty tough stretch for illinois we went to rutgers on saturday red underwood is one in five at the rack and i don't know for if you guys discussed the game i'm sure you did but it was pretty much a dominating from opening tip till the end of the game uh rutgers made a run at the end of the first half but otherwise you know it was a pretty you know it's not something that we usually see uh, when we go uh, to uh, uh, to the rack. Um, the game against FAU, you know, the 11th rated team in the country, Final Four last year in Madison Square Garden. They returned everybody from that Final Four team. And, you know, we just had two guys. You know, I gave uh, credit to Brad Underwood uh, in my uh, instant reaction episode yesterday. Uh, he basically gave the ball to Terrence Shannon and Marcus Damask and basically said that, 
they don't have anybody that can guard you two. So go at it. And Domask went 15 for 21. I think uh, Shannon was something like, uh, I think he only missed four shots himself. I, I don't recall his shot selection off the top of my head, but it was a convincing win. You know, our defense is as good as there is in the country. And uh, for me, it's just nice that, uh, you know, people are talking about Illinois basketball again. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Illinois basketball is the talk of a lot of people right now. I, I've heard people even saying, you know, can Illinois battle Purdue for the top spot? I mean, Illinois has the size across the board. Now, they don't have the big man to obviously be able to compete with a Zach Eady, but with as big of a lineup as they had, and I said it going into the season, my concern was the point guard, right? I was concerned that there was no real true ball handler on this team. Now, Terrence Shannon Jr. <laughs> can do that, and but I still had a question about that. I was still like, is that really the role he wants to have? But he's doing it. He's doing a good job with it. Coleman Hawkins, to his credit, he's been doing a pretty good job of handling the ball too, especially with his size. That's really impressive. I just think there's a lot to like about this Illinois team right now. Uh, top 15 in Ken Palm. Uh, they passed Florida Atlantic. Uh, I think Florida Atlantic 16 now. Illinois 14. So just a whole lot of good stuff going on for Illinois. And I just I can't sing the Illinois praises enough because I wasn't singing them enough in the preseason. So now I feel like I got to make up for it. Right, uh, Burke. What were your thoughts on this game? This this Gomez kid. Like, what the hell was he doing on the Salukis for so long? <laughs> Like, just watching him, I have to imagine that the Illinois fans are over the moon relieved with what this guy is bringing. I mean, he has to be such a far more reliable piece to your team um, other than that caffeine addict who had just left the squad. Um, And, like, the career highs right here for Damascus and Terrence Shannon. I, I saw a stat that that was the first time that two players on the same team combined for more than 30 points while shooting better than 70% from the floor since like January since January 1999 like when when your team is shooting at that clip when you have two guys doing that not just one if you have one of those guys there's a good chance you're winning that game they had two of them that that, that like you are unbeatable if that's the case and yeah just just a great performance by the Illini and they have every reason to be rabid as a fan base right now because there's a lot to love in that squad uh, that being said, I, I I firmly believe the Hoosiers have a shot. I always do. I always do. But the, this Illinois team looks like at, like true contenders right now for the Big Ten. You, well, you know, it's one of those where, like, kinda, oh, uh, one of the weaknesses that I perceived coming into the season, you know, Terry, you nailed it on the head. You know, we, we don't have a point guard. And, you know, Brad Underwood tried to convince everyone that we had a point guard coming into the season. We don't. We're trying to basically – make do without one and play without one. But what I was, what I wanted to see uh, was that second guy. Cause we knew we had Terrence Shannon jr. And we know, you know, now that he knows it's his team this year, I think he deferred a little bit too much to Mr. Caffeine last year. Um, this year he knows he's the best player on the court almost every time he steps on the hardwood and he's playing like it. But what's always worried me is who is going to be that second guy. Cause it's, it's, a long grinding season, especially in the big time. So to count on Terrence Shannon to carry the load every single night in, night out, that would have been tough. And, you know, Brad Underwood, again, we he's assembled a good team of role players. I think we're a very deep team. We're arguably the biggest team uh, in the Big Ten outside, you know, Purdue with the one monster that they have. But, you know, we're talking about Purdue. It kind of reminds me of, you know, like uh, in the mid '90s, like the Bulls, we signed like three centers just for fouls on, you know, Shaq. And Illinois kind of has that. You know, we have Hawkins, we have Danger, we have Amani Hansbury, we have Gary. We have a lot of, you know, obviously Edie's going to do whatever Edie does. But I think if anybody can somewhat match up against them, it's going to be Illinois. And yeah, on that, on that, I mean, that's exactly what Northwestern did to Purdue. They threw big goobers at them until Purdue folded. Well, and that's, I mean, I think you saw a great example of it in this game. I mean, if we're being honest, uh, this golden kid, you know, he, play, he played 19 minutes and had 23 points. I mean, he was 
he was tearing it up when he was in there, but Illinois just had the wherewithal to just throw big men at him and get him in foul trouble. And then eventually he got out of the game. Like I said, only 19 minutes in there and, and he fouled out. So, I mean, I think this is the evolution that we kind of wanted to see with Illinois. I think you're exactly right about Terrence Shannon Jr. Sonny. I don't know if I've seen a better wing this this year in college basketball than Terrence Shannon Jr., the way he's playing right now. He is the best wing, not just in the Big Ten. He is the best wing in college basketball right now, and he knows it, and he's playing like it. And that's the most important thing to me. But the second most important thing is I feel like there's a bit more strategy to this team last year or this year that we didn't see last year. Not to say anything bad about last year, but I just didn't feel like there was that kind of strategy to take on some of these guys like Golden and uh, Zach Eady possibly this year as well. I feel like it's there now. I feel like they're being really strategic with how they use Dane Danger. I feel like they have a lot of big men who can do a lot of different things. I mean, what, three of their guys had three fouls or more in the starting lineup. Um, and then Harmon, he, little guard, he had four fouls, but none of them ever fouled out. So, I mean, they're playing it really well. They're really strategic with it. I'm just... I, I am just overall very impressed with this Illinois team. They've answered all of my questions so far. And the only question I've left is, can they beat Purdue? And that's the big one. Sonny? Can they do it? Can they? Yeah. Um, I think if nothing else, um, we're kind of proving to Purdue that they're not going to run away with the conference like they did last year. Um, we'll make them sweat it out a little bit. I still think Purdue's the best team just because, and I, you know, I, I think Burke will agree with me here. Like I've never seen a big man be able to get away with just elbows and you know overpowering other guys and refs not calling uh fouls on them like Edie does so I think you know with that factor um Purdue will still probably win the conference but you know this team this Illinois team like they what again separates them from last year is last year right around this time you heard grumblings of certain you know a five-star freshman point guard who was struggling uh he wasn't really enjoying himself he was getting into fights in practice. And then it was around now when Sky Clark, you know, decided just to leave the team. We just got wind that he cleared out his apartment and he was gone. And this year doesn't have that problem. Again, it's, it's a difference between bringing a five-star, you know, talent who's been to four different high schools in four years, as opposed to a Marcus Damask, who's just been the best player on a very good team in the Missouri Valley, uh, Missouri Valley conference. These guys are, they enjoy playing together. They bought into Brad Underwood's defense. Brad Underwood teams always have good defenses. This year, they're playing at an elite level. And so, you know, whether we're going to win the Big Ten, maybe not. But I don't think Brad Underwood cares about that anymore. Um, I think we've already done it. We've won the Big Ten regular season. We won the Big Ten conference tournament. I think now Brad Underwood understands that his legacy is about getting into that second weekend in March. Yeah, and I think so for sure, and I think that's kind of what's hanging up most teams in the, in the Big Ten right now is can you take that next step? You know, we've seen teams battle. We've seen coaches be able to figure things out in the Big Ten and play better in some years after they have a, a down year, uh, but can they battle? Can they make those things happen? So uh, we got our friend Frank in the uh, chat, and he wants to correct a few things for you there, Burke. He says, I think it was more of Northwestern far uh, above baseline than Purdue fouling. He also let us know that Edie got fouled every possession before catches the ball. Have you seen the scars on his arm? And all I have to say about that, Frank, is I, I do think we addressed that in the podcast, uh, the last one with uh, Mike and Justin. Um, but I, I think Burke's point still stands is like they, they were strategic about throwing guys in there at him. And, and I know we can argue all day about the Edie officiating, you know, does Edie get fair fouls? You know, I mean, it's all about Purdue fans saying Edie never gets the call. And then it's all about non-Purdue fans saying Edie always gets the call. And it's one of those ones where it's like, and I said it when I talked to Russ about it, I was like, I don't know if there's any right call because he's just so big. He's so imposing that it's almost like, can can you really do anything to not get a foul or to try to get a foul? I don't know, um, but it, it's like interesting for sure. What you say, Burke? It, it's like uh, don't bring up another man's podcast on another man's podcast. But Mark Titus was talking on his show about just Zach Eady and how he gets fouls, and I thought it was a genuinely good point where he was just like, it is kind of like offensive line officiating where true. he could call you could call a foul on the defender every possession that Zach Eady is getting the ball. You could also call a foul potentially on Zach Eady every time he has the ball. Right. 
it's just it's just a ma- manner of just the degree to which it was committed that they can make these calls on. Yeah, and I, it was either Russ or Nick that made that point uh, as well because he was saying like there, there's a foul every time down the court, whether it's on Edie, yeah. whether it's on the other guy, there is something going on that's a foul, and it's just about hey, he picking and he, choosing. He's a true game. He's a true game breaker. He really is. He really is, and I'm like to that. his credit. I agree with both your points. You know, yes, uh, Edie gets fouled a lot. And he also, my original point, he fouls other people a lot. But to my knowledge, Zach Edie's never fouled out in a game of, in his entire career. If you notice, a lot of these games that Purdue plays in, the guy that Edie's guarding is the one with four fouls midway through the second half. You know, it's the team, the defensive team, that's getting called more often than Edie is that has to regroup. And, you know, all of a sudden the the backup has to come in and guard Edie. So that's where the frustrations get. I, I get it. I had Kofi on my team, right? Kofi, he got hammered a lot too. So I know when guys are just bigger going against a lot smaller guys, that smaller guys have to slap and do this and that. What I'm saying is take a look at that foul discrepancy at the end of every single Purdue game and tell me who's got <laughs> two or three fouls and how many of the bigs on the other team uh, fouled out? So that's kind of my point. Yeah. Yeah. No. And uh, Frank, Frank uh, said here, he said, Northwestern has a size and depth to continue to give him trouble. Both Illinois and IU will be able to do the same. I agree. I think Illinois uh, has some big guys. I don't know if they're quite as, or uh, Illinois, I think Indiana has some big guys. I don't know if they're quite as deep with their big guys as Illinois is, but they definitely have the big guys who can be able to give them trouble. Uh, I'm more concerned about Kalel Ware's, um, his his weight and his girth to be able to to withstand oh, Edie rather than his, his overall height and size and things like that so but it'll be an interesting matchup for sure Kalelware played great against Indiana which I think you know this Maryland game is still not over we got five seconds left but that's probably going to take five minutes to resolve itself so <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to Indiana beats Michigan 78 to 75 came down to the wire oh it was heartbreaking Doug McDaniels missed some key free throws there at the end of the game they had one last shot Kalelware with the huge block on the inbound pass it was it was honestly a fantastic game to watch. Both teams really wanted it. It was going back and forth. I had a lot of fun watching. I didn't really have a uh, you know a dog in the fight, but I, I enjoyed watching it. Burke, what were your thoughts? Hey, the vibes are good in Bloomington, boys. Like we we are getting it rolling. This team is finally starting to hit its stride here, and uh, there isn't a better time to do so than the first two games of the Big Ten. Um. I mean, just their ability. Like Michigan is going to be a team that lives and dies with the abilities of. Doug McDaniel and Olivier Nakomoa. And uh, the fact that the Hoosiers were able to hold Doug McDaniel to three for 14 from the floor, that's a credit to Gabe Cups. Yeah, that's a credit to Gabe Cups, man. He's the dude that shows up at the YMCA that everybody hates because he is so annoying with (laughs) how he plays. I mean, you really could see that Doug McDaniel was able to outpace him just with Doug's ability to get to the line as much as he did in that game. Uh But uh, just Gabe's ability to battle him just with Xavier out, Gabe being asked to do so much. uh, It was just awesome to see. And then just Kalel just is hitting. Kalel is absolutely Kalel. He is Superman. Like, what he has been doing through the start of this season, the entire organization of like Oregon's basketball program needs reviewed. It needs Dana Altman needs brought to justice because how is he doing this this year? Like how, how was his motor a question? It was the only thing that Indiana was able to rely on in those first stretch of just non-conference escape jobs we were doing. And uh, he's been unbelievable. Like in in this game, he wasn't the highest producer. Like Malik carried the load with fifteen, but uh, it, it it was him on every single impact play. Like every play that was that defined the game, Kalel had a part in. And uh, yeah, yeah, with Xavier out, this one was interesting because the Hoosiers didn't have their primary ball handler. They didn't have their like cut to the basket option. And honestly, the distribution. The overall production, it all turned out for the better. Like the Hoosiers were looking to spread the ball, share the ball. And uh, like going through it, it was uh, like the Hoosier point totals in that game. 15, 11, 13, 
two for Gabe Cups. Hey, we we had his defensive efforts there. Nine, six, six, eight, eight. That is the point point totals for anyone who touched the floor in that game. That it was just a country. It was just contributions by just the entire squad. Oh my gosh, Penn State just tied it up. Sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, Gabe Cups. He he had one shot and two points. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you. I, I just I love watching Gabe Kep's play. He just plays with so much energy and so much fire. And I was I was really concerned when Xavier Johnson uh, was was going to be out for a little while. You know, I was, I was concerned about what were they going to do at the guard position. Do they have any answers there? I mean, their big men are the answers. If you just look at the score, you know, the box score, you don't see the impact that Kalel Ware had on this game. I mean, there were a lot of things that he did that helped this team out in a lot of different ways. I mean, he only played 24 minutes, but it's you, you felt his presence every time he was on the court and he was making things happen every single time, along with Malik Renew. I think that is a good combo, one of the best big men combo in the Big Ten right now that we're not, uh, that I don't think we're giving enough credit to. Obviously, there are other really good ones as well, but they're they're evolving into the, one of the better ones. And it's just really, really fun to watch. <clears throat> Sonny, what are your thoughts on this game? I think the stark difference between these two programs is, you know, Indiana players, um, they seem to, you know, be excited. Um, the fan base seems to be excited with Mike Woodson and the recruiting classes he's bringing in and where the program is moving forward. Whereas Michigan fans, I think, have started to see the warts on Jawan Howard and whoever is coaching in his place in particular games. You know, I, I saw a record. He's something like one in 12 or one in 13 in one possession games. Um, he can bring talent in, but he's been there long enough now that you can see that, like, I don't know if the, you know, his, the charm is getting stale now. You know, it's like, it's, it's almost like, no, I wouldn't even say that. No, Harbaugh and the, you know, Michigan, they were always winning nine, 10 games. So let me disregard that comparison. But I just think, you know, with Howard, yeah, he had a couple of nice sweet 16 runs, but I think we've already kind of seen what his ceiling is. And we're seeing it night in and night out now that almost every given night he can get out coached by the better coaches in the Big Ten. And, you know, Michigan basketball Twitter is kind of fun to pay attention to just because, you know, they're a rabid group and uh, they're starting to see that, you know, it might be time to move on. Yeah, no, and I, I we talked about that, what was it, two episodes ago with, with Jawan Howard where it's like, at what point do you move on? Because this is the struggle of having a legendary player become your coach is you, you, you don't want to move on because of everything he's done. It's kind of like Bill Belichick with the Patriots right now, right? They want to fire Bill Belichick because he's not doing a very good job. They, they just lost what six to nothing. I mean, uh, it, it, it's not looking good in new England right now. It's kind of the same thing with Michigan. They're getting the talent. There are reasons to keep Juwan Howard around. He is a legendary, a former legendary player, but, like you said, Sonny, he's getting out coached almost every single night. I mean, there there are Big Ten coaches that are just better coaches than him, and it's it's really hard for the fan base. Uh, Burke, do you? Uh, do no. You foresee- uh, in in regards to the coaching, really quick, I just want to no, pile. That's on what that. I was going to ask about. Go ahead. No, like uh, usually, I would think that Mike Woodson wouldn't be able to be like an in game general to beat him in that regard. But Mike Woodson has taken strides this season in that game, especially like it looks like he is making adjustments in the way he's going to coach this team. Team isn't forcing anything. Uh, You can tell by our shot selection. That's definitely the case. Um, But it was just, he was working on this platoon subbing system initially out of the gate of this season. I'm hoping that that was just him being like lesser competition. Let's see who I'm going to build my roster out with. But uh, he, he just knocked that off, which, uh, since then, I mean, the Hoosiers have been able to keep an offensive rhythm, finally. And uh, just, just I mean, the way he had that team ready to defend Michigan they, the way they did at the end of this game, like he had them prepared to make sure that Doug McDaniel wasn't going to be the one getting an opportunity to take a, like, better than most chances it was going in heave to tie the game up and send it to overtime. Like I, I've been, I'm so proud with what he's been able to do this season alone in his advancements and in, in his own coaching philosophies. 
No, yeah, you see Mike Woodson grow as a coach. I think when he came in, he, he really had an NBA mentality and, you know, kind of kind of some of the same stuff that Juwan is struggling with right now. And we've seen him evolve. We've seen him. I mean, we've always seen Mike Woodson be able to develop players and, and be the guy to, to make that happen. Uh, but we are seeing a bit of a change this season so far. And it, it is refreshing to see for an IU program that, you know, they just struggled with Tom Crean and Archie Miller. And now they, they have you know, a legendary player as a coach now who's, who's doing a good job. And uh, it's really nice to see. So Sonny, you have any thoughts about Mike Woodson as coaching before we move on? Uh, I mean, not particularly like, obviously I, Indiana's built what I think is as good of a front court as uh, anyone in the conference uh, has. Um, I, I wouldn't put him in the upper tier of, you know, in-game coaching, but I think that's kind of what Burke is saying. Um, I haven't watched as much Indiana basketball, but, you know, as long as he's progressing a little bit, you know, all it takes is, you know, if Indiana's leapfrog Michigan, you know, I'm, you know, I've been there, you know, when we first hired Underwood, we were at the bottom of the big 10. So hiring a guy, you just want him to slowly elevate you year by year into different tiers uh, in the big 10. And it looks like, you know, at least the couple of Indiana guys I talked to are, you know, very happy with, um, you know, the trajectory that Woodson has uh, Indiana at. Yeah, I don't know how you can't be happy right now. I mean, you know, there's a lot of talented players there, and Mike Woodson's doing a good job. I mean, um, don't they have another five-star or something coming in, Burke? Oh, yeah, Liam McNeely. And, uh, That's right. There were some rumblings regarding Derek Queen, and I okay. think a bunch of Maryland fans are upset right now. But <laughs> I don't read into that too much because I've been hurt before. So <laughs> Don't hurt me again. Uh, yeah, But, hey, before we get off this game, just yeah. want to say your pick for freshman uh, of the year. Mackenzie Mbako starting to find his stride. Yes. He's he's starting to figure it out. Last three outings, 18 points, eight rebounds, 13 points, seven rebounds, 11 points, four rebounds. That was after just a dud of a start, but we got him rolling. This front court is firing. And I think the, the main thing with McKenzie Mbako right now is he's not hunting that three-point shot as much as he was early in the season. It almost felt like he was like, I got to be this three-point threat. I got to be this three-point shooter. And I think eventually Mike Woodson just told the guys, like, stop shooting threes. We can't do it. Just take it if they give it to you, but just stop. I mean, there were, what, three for nine in this game? I mean, how many games are you going to see, uh, you know, especially an IU team shoot less than 10 three-pointers? I mean, it, it was just... It was crazy, but he went one for two from the three-point yeah. arc, and I'm, I'm glad to see him focusing on scoring the the way that he has been able to for a long time and not focusing on that three-pointer as much. So he's definitely... Yeah, I, uh, I, I think the Hoosiers in that game like scored one less three-pointer than Michigan, but took nine less, something like that. So it's just, yeah, that's yeah. just the Hoosiers getting taking the shots that make sense for them now. Right. I mean, in basketball today, you have individual players taking nine three-pointers. Yeah. Yeah, in a game, you yeah. know, it's, it's it's a contrast to you know where the game is going. Yeah, it's it's old school. We're gonna switch it up on you, but hey, we, I mean, it's it's resulting in wins, so we'll just keep doing it until something until it falls off. Do it till it breaks, you know. Yeah, uh, Dylan wanted to let us know that the Boiler Express dogs are up in here, so uh, <laughs> oh, sure that best uh, behavior, yeah, best behavior up here. Uh, but hey, Frank has some nice things to say. Uh, really positive about Mike Woodson's coaching last night. That's really good. And then uh, look at this, Mackenzie and Baco had a clutch free throw last night too. You're correct, Frank. He uh, just two for two with free throws. Did a great job. I don't. I just don't have enough good things to say about this IU team with uh with being able to win a close game like that. Obviously, like we said, Michigan has their struggles with their coach, those kind of things, but uh it was a good thing to see for for IU and Mike Woodson and uh the rest of them. So guys, I was gonna try to get to this Maryland Penn State yeah. game, but uh they're in overtime now. It looks like Maryland probably will pull it out. Less than ten minutes left. They're up by five or less than five two minutes left, sorry. Up by five, but uh, we'll see how that goes. And as soon as that one's done, we'll we'll get to that. So let's go ahead and talk about what our Boiler Express friends want us to talk about. Purdue wins eighty-seven to sixty-eight over Iowa. Um, 
Iowa looked like the little brother in this game that was just doing his absolute best to play with the big brother, but big brother just decided in this game there was no way little brother was going to win. Uh, Burke, this will make it the second podcast in a row that you'll probably have to say nice things about Purdue, but I'm sure it helps that Purdue was just in the chat saying nice things about Indiana. Uh, So what were some of your thoughts on this game, Burke? Uh, Hilarious start for Iowa. That was insane. That first half was embarrassing for that squad um but i mean zach it was just purdue finding their footing after yeah. a shocking loss in they northwest were mad. i mean yeah it was it was a lot of the same from them but uh, what what they do often works so uh yeah just peyton sanford labor laboring through three for ten for from uh the floor in that game if he isn't in, if he isn't able to like sink his shots in tandem with crick like night after night they are going to be struggling. And, oh, uh, and that's just kind of the yeah. Iowa team. If the offense isn't there, what is there? You know, I mean, yes, they scored 68 points, but like that's like Maryland putting up 40 for Iowa. <laughs> right? Yeah, per- Purdue bullied the hell out of them in this one, really. Uh, the second the second half was, I think, about the same amount of points for each team, but it was, it was just Purdue. I think Iowa in. won the second half by two. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, when you get up by twenty-one points and a half, I guess you get to just mail in an, an entire twenty minutes of the game. So, yeah. good for them, though. Uh, Sonny, what were your thoughts? I mean, it just seemed like uh, you know we kind of kicked off the show talking about it that uh, you know some maybe the players, the coaches, kind of read on Twitter all the "here we go again" with the Purdue uh, team after that Northwestern game. And I knew Purdue minus 12 and a half at home was going to be the lock of the season for me. And, you know, it very well was. I made a very sizable bet uh, for that Iowa game. It's, you know, I was just historically never played well in Mackey. Not that a lot of teams do, but if you take a look at the last few games, I mean, they've been getting blown up constantly. You know, Purdue's just, you know, they're the, they're the class of the conference right now. And, uh, you know, just talking about Iowa real quick, you know, you were saying what you were saying, JR, and it just cracks me up. Like, is there any program that has such a stark difference between their football and basketball team than Iowa? Like for the past decade, you know, Iowa football is all about defense and let's see if we can get to 10. Whereas Iowa basketball is a complete opposite. It's always, you know, the uh, best offensive team in the Big Ten, but one that just didn't play defense. It's just if you could kind of find a middle ground between the two teams, they'd have a bunch of conference championships by now. <laughs> yeah, that would be a deadly team. Just uh, put Phil Parker on the Iowa basketball staff, and <laughs> I'm sure hey. they'll figure out some defense for that team. And, Just and hire Brian McCaffrey as the offense coordinator. There you go. There yeah, you go. hey, after I was done ragging on Iowa, I still want to say they are the only team that Mike Woodson has left to beat, so I do give them that credit. So anyone listening, hey, you got me there, but uh, we're coming for you. Well, if Peyton Sanford goes – three for 10 again. I think you might, uh, we have good chances that if that's the case, <laughs> if that's the case. Uh, I, I, Zach Eady, nine for 10, seven for nine on free throw. It, it, if your big man gets fouled as much as Zach Eady does and goes seven, for, there's no answer. There is no answer. If you are, if your big man is able to shoot what nearly 70%, uh, over 70% from the line, uh, getting as fouled as much as he does. There's just no answer. Um, Zach Eady, Continues to impress, continues to look like the runaway player of the year. I know I was talking about Terrence Shannon Jr. looking like the best wing in the uh, in college basketball right now. And I have to say wing because he can't look like the best player because Zach Eady obviously is that. Um, and and Braden Smith, he, he didn't score a lot in this game, only two points. But, man, he was doing a good job of passing it around. Eight assists, only one turnover. Um, I mean, that's what you want to see. And it looked like it just looked like Purdue came out in this game. Mad came out. They wanted to prove to everybody that they're better than, you know, what they showed. And, you know, like you said, Sonny, Mackey's, Mackey's on a different level. People don't play well at Mackey because it is just a really, really great arena, and uh, it's very hostile to try and play in. So, um, so yeah. All right. Any more thoughts on this game, guys, before we move on? Nope. All right. We got 10 seconds left in this Maryland-Penn State game, so uh, let me, let's go to one more game, and then I think as we cover this one, this one will probably end up. Wisconsin beats Michigan State 70 
to 57 guys it's not looking good in east lansing right now the freshmen are not playing well the big men are not playing well tyson walker is doing everything he can but there's there's just not enough uh in this one i i felt like this was a must-win game for michigan state uh playing at home coming off some of the the hardships that they've had they're what four and four now uh, entering the conference with a loss i mean just just a really, really tough game. Wisconsin is not a great team on the road. So you would think, you know, this would be kind of one of those games you would need to to, to, get, to get it and uh, and make it happen. But Sissoko, Cooper, they're just not very good big men. At least they're not playing very well right now. Sonny, what were some of your thoughts? Um, if, I mean, if you take a look at Wisconsin's last couple of games, Greg Bard, you know, we're talking about a lot about head coaching this episode. Greg Bard has outcoached some of the best coaches in the country. Um, yeah. That's just a team that, you know, it's one of the better stories in the Big Ten. They just, they, you know, AJ Store, um, he's a guy the Illini were interested in trying to bring in um, originally out of high school. You know, he's turned into arguably the best transfer into the conference this year. Uh, you know, the Wisconsin team, like I didn't have very high expectations for, but it looks like, you know, they're a top half team. Uh, now to Michigan State, we're talking about easily the biggest disappointment of the college basketball season this year. You know, that we've got a lot of frustrated Michigan State fans, you know, talking about how, you know, talent wise, the talent's all there. But I mean, who on Michigan State has gotten better than last year? You know, maybe one guy, maybe. But outside that, I mean, that's kind of Who's it. Who's that one guy? Yeah, I don't know. Who is it? Some people might say Tyson got a little bit better. I, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I, yeah, no. Okay. That's why I think it's the maybe. Maybe. No. Okay. But but you're saying generally some people might say that. Okay. All right. Right. Well, most, Sorry, yeah, exactly. So, you know, for me, like a Tom Izzo team where nobody's getting better and, you know, he's been very vocal of being you know, the, the, the Dabo of college basketball in the sense where he doesn't really want to adapt to the transfer portal and this and that. I have concerns about Michigan State moving forward because I don't know if they're going to have a team as talented as this one in the coming years. And, you know, when was the last time a Michigan State Tom Izzo team looked this bad in the middle of December? You know, not, not as long as I can remember. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm saying this, but Come March, he's going to make an elite rate eight run, and you know I'm going to eat my words again. But and what at NIT? least right now <laughs> they're not they're not making it to the tournament. I hate to break it to Spartan fans, but Michigan State's not making it to the tournament. I'm calling it right here. If they keep playing like this, it is going to take a Herculean effort from Tyson Walker. It's going to take AJ Hogard to you know lift his head up for two seconds and start playing like he can actually play. I mean, he had 14 points last night, but. Even that, it was like, AJ, you have got to do more in this game because Sissoko, Aikens, and Cooper just combined for six. I mean, there was nobody else in double figures in this game. And, I'm, and I might be being a little too hard on AJ Hogard, but there's just, there's no life on this team. This team is, they don't want it. I, I hate to say it, but they don't look like they want it. Um, and I, I hate, I hate when people say it about Ohio State. You all know I'm an Ohio State fan. Um, but if there's any basketball team that looks soft right now, it's Michigan State. I mean, and I hate to be so critical about them, but like you said, Sonny, nobody has improved on this team. The freshmen are not doing anything that is helping this team, it seems like. I mean, Fears is okay. I'm not going to say Fears is bad or anything like that. I feel like he's probably been the best freshman out of I all like of them. I like Fears. Yeah, I mean, he, he, and, 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 but that's too much, right? To put all of this on Fears to come in, be this freshman, you just you have to get more help from your big men. So Soko and Cooper have got to do more. Cooper played, oh, I said 6-6. Six, six. It was actually seven points. Cooper played 30 minutes and had three points. Unacceptable unacceptable and, and and I don't know what Tom Izzo has to do he he said after the game that it's all on him and so if it's all on him he's got to figure it out but uh Burke what are your thoughts my my thoughts about this game were it's it's was wild how it's two teams who like my expectations for them have immediately like just flipped from where they were in the preseason like admittedly Wisconsin I all season and all preseason, everyone was talking about, oh, yeah, they, they're going to be a sneaky team to watch out for. 
And I was just like, this this Wisconsin team is the same team as last year. Who I don't care if they added AJ Store, he's going to play Wisconsin basketball, and he doesn't have the rest of the pieces around him necessary to play Wisconsin basketball the way that Wisconsin used to play Wisconsin basketball. And it, it, it now just after further review, like I'm willing to take those comments back because AJ Store has changed this team. Just his injection onto this roster, like. In that game, eight for 11, four for six from deep. He was just sensational. Like, uh, I, if, if Connor Asijan was able to take the next step, they would be something insane right now. But, uh, I mean, AJ Store's getting his minutes. Um, right. like it's been Blackwell making that happen instead of Asijan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, like, yeah, they're, so they're just far surpassing what I originally thought. And then Sparty is the exact opposite. I thought I came on this show and I said, Hey, I think that Sparty's going to be the one in the Big Ten to make the run. And, uh, it's just nine combined, nine combined points from their front, like their big men in this game. That's downright sad. That's, uh, this is Big Ten basketball. That, that just is not going to suffice, especially if those guys are not hitting their shots. And uh, they aren't coming into these games recently with any of the like expected shooting that we all thought they'd have. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And I do, I do want to make sure, you know, we're being really hard on Michigan state right now. None of that takes away from Wisconsin. Wisconsin no. is, is playing great this year. Um, AJ store has been a heck of a, a improvement addition, whatever you want to call it. He, he, he's been great. And the thing for me against Michigan state, Klesman went over four. Right after that big game he had against uh, Marquette, he went over four in this one. But who picked it up? It was Store. I mean, it, this Wisconsin team—they just—they have a variety of ways they can beat you, and they have their consistent guys who can make things happen for you. Chucky Hepburn is finally able to play the role that he needs to play, and I think it's really fitting him. He only had five points in this game, but he had eight assists. I mean. He's able to play that role of the point guard that he needs to play, uh, and he's not, you know, being relied upon for everything, kind of like he was at some points last season. So, um, Sonny, yeah, do you have uh, any thought? Or go ahead, Burke. No, I was just going to say, like that. They unless they figure it out in the front court, like eleven offensive rebounds for the Badgers in that game, where they scored nineteen second chance points. Um, unless a front court hero is coming off the sideline, which uh, everyone thought Xavier Booker was going to be it, but it's just going to be a rough outing for them unless they can figure something out. I have confidence that Izzo, if anybody can figure it out, but it's going to be, it's tough sledding right now. 11 offensive rebounds for Wisconsin, 17 total rebounds for Michigan state. Yeah. That's just you know, it, speaking of Wisconsin real quick. Like, you know, I, I had their coach as one of the couple guys who I thought was actually going to be in the hot seat coming into this season, you know, just, I felt like that program was kind of getting a little stale. And now, I mean, I feel like if the season ended today, he'd probably be the front runner for coach of the year in the conference. Chris Collins. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. (laughs) It's like, uh, it's it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, it's an impressive performance up there in Madison right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, And like I said, going into the Breslin center, making that happen. You know, I, I really thought Michigan State was going to come out with their hair on fire, play hard in this one. Uh, and t- to Tyson Walker's credit, I think he did. Um, but you, you just you can't expect Tyson Walker to go out there and get thirty points every single night and drag the team with him. You just can't. Um, and if that is what Michigan State's going to try to do for the rest of the season, it's it's not going to be pretty. I don't know if they're going to win more and, than ten games in the Big Ten. Yeah, and you especially can't rely on that if he's shooting at the percentage that he is, which is down from last year. And it's, it, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. So, so I'm shooting my shot. Michigan State will not make the NCAA tournament. That's quite a shot. I, I'm not I'm ready to market. lose complete faith no. in them, but I think there's a better chance they end up in the Sweet 16 than not making. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, yeah. dude, I've seen teams that have, this? I've seen teams like Michigan State teams that are down like in the bottom four, All almost right. a third into the Big Ten season come back and, Grab I, I get, I get what you're saying, but doesn't this one just feel different? It, it I will say it does that in like, that regard. I, I've, I've just never seen a Michigan State front court just, just look soft. I've never seen them just not play inspired basketball and, and, and wanting to win. I mean, I obviously Michigan has not had the, the best front court sometimes, but like, 
I'm just not seeing them give the effort that they need to. Um, and I hate to question players' efforts because, you know, you never know what's going on with them personally and stuff like that. But just at least in this situation, Tom Izzo's got to figure something out. He's got to do something to motivate these guys because they, they just don't look motivated right now. And uh, it's kind of sad to see because Tom Izzo is a great coach. But but you're exactly – I think you said it, Burke. He's, he's kind of the Dabo right now of college basketball. Not going in the portal. He's not getting the guys he needs to. Um, it's it, it's interesting. So, all right. Before we get to the before we get to the next game, we're going to talk about CBB analytics. CBB analytics, college basketball analytics for all of your analytics needs. They help me out to know all the things that I know analytically about college basketball. It's a great resource. They have free stuff that you can figure out as well. They give us a pro tier here at the Big Ten Huddle so that we're able to communicate that kind of information to you and use it. Uh, it's just a great resource. They do a lot of really, really cool things. You see a lot of in-depth stats that you don't even get on like Ken Palm or anything like that. Uh, uh, I mean, this is literally the thing that like coaches and GMs in the NBA use. So it's just, it's really cool stuff. Really interesting. I know the guys over at Boiler Express really like it and, uh, and it's really fun. So we're going to move on to Maryland. Before we do, we have James. I'm a diehard Rutgers fan with all the recruit next year. What's your take? Yes, James, we're going to talk about the Maryland game and then we're going to get into Dylan Harper. Don't worry. We say that for the end of the show. So let's talk Maryland really fast and then we'll get to James's Dylan Harper. Uh, Maryland wins 81 to 75 overtime game. Uh, it was kind of neck and neck there. It was a tie, uh, not a tie. What was it? 30 to 28 in the first half and Maryland comes back and they score more. They have 43, 41 and the second half goes to overtime and Maryland just eventually takes over and overtime. It was, it was a fun game. It was an interesting game. I feel like Maryland kind of, Got back a little bit. They scored 40 against Villanova earlier in the season. Now they're scoring 81 against Penn State. Penn State's not a bad defensive team, so it's interesting for them. Burke, what were some of your thoughts on this game? Um, My thoughts were if they lose at home, like maybe Kevin Willard is looking for a job. But uh, this this Maryland team, they uh, they are a team that has just – fallen far shorter of my expectations than I thought. Like I thought they were going to be a dark horse to contend here. And uh, no, just the way this roster is built them, them receiving the full on Jordan Geronimo experience. Like it just hasn't been a solid recipe for victory right now. Yeah. uh, It's just tough. It's just tough, man. It's, it's uh it's a belabored offense that is hard to watch at times. And that's kind of my thing with Maryland this season is like the offense just isn't there, but I do appreciate how much, you know, effort they're putting in into the defense yeah. of it. And yeah. and every single announcer will tell you in the game with Maryland. I think I've heard every single announcer say it at some point in Maryland games. They're like, if they can just get a stop on defense, they can, you know, generate their offense down there. And my thing is like they do get stops on defense. And then the offense doesn't generate, you know, it's one of those things where like you can see them giving a ton of effort on defense and playing really hard. I think they're top 20 in Ken Palm and defense right now, which you told me at the beginning of the season, if they were going to be top 20 in defense and like outside the top 100 in offense, I'd have called you crazy, but that's where they are right now in Ken Palm. It's just, it's really, really interesting. Uh, Sonny, I know you uh, did your podcast. You weren't able to see all this, but what were your thoughts from what you did see in Maryland versus Penn State? Well, I mean, you know, big, you know, high level thoughts is, is there any basketball team that's more grateful of Michigan State being the story of disappointment of the Big Ten than Maryland? Because, you know, uh, you know, I had, you know, I had uh, all of our dear friends, uh, the Turtleheads on, you know, uh, my show when we were talking about Illinois uh, Maryland game and we discussed basketball briefly. And, you know, obviously they were very high on the basketball team. And a lot of people were. I had him, I think, dubbed as fourth, um, finishing fourth in the conference. I wasn't able to watch much of this game because, again, like JR said, you know, we were recording our episode of Illini Cast tonight. But that's just a team which, you know, it's kind of seemed like directionless. You know, it's like, you know, you know, it's like we're really, really trying, but we just can't do it. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a. I don't know what the word is like. Is, is it like pity? You know, and Penn, they needed this one uh, tonight. Penn State lost to what, like Bucknell, I think. Bucknell, yep. yeah. You know, early in the season. I like, think a plus 300 Ken Palm, Ken Palm team right there. 
they are not a good team. And, you know, the few minutes I watched in the first half, you know, Penn State was up double digits, I think, at one point. So, you know, I was just like, oh, boy. You know, if Maryland uh, loses this game at home, they'd be in trouble. So, for their sake, it's nice to see that, you know, yeah, it took overtime. But, you know, just getting that W, um, they needed it more than, you know, a lot of teams need it. I feel like Maryland, like, I feel like Kevin Willard went to the team after this IU game and just basically told them, like, you want to play, you got to play hard. Because they played 10 guys in their, or not, they, they played uh, eight guys for seven minutes or more in their game against IU. They played seven guys against Penn State tonight. I mean, for an overtime game of playing seven guys, like, that's, that's kind of crazy. Um, and, and, and Jameer Young and Julian Reese just basically dragged this team to the end zone and said, you're, you're coming with us. We're not going to lose this game for all the mistakes that you guys make. And yes, Geronimo had, had a good game defensively and he was all over the place. Um, but it, for as many mistakes as you guys make, Jameer Young and, and Julian Reese just basically said, you're coming with us. We're going to win this game. Get out of the way is basically what happened. I think they had like, they both had over 20, uh, I think Jameer Young had 28. So just a crazy, crazy performance by the two of them and and so much heart, so much effort. We talk about Michigan State, their struggles being, you know, maybe they're not trying hard enough or maybe they don't have that dog in them or something like that. That's not the case with Julian Reese and, and Jameer Young. They want to win. They want to make it happen. Um, Burke, you have any thoughts on some of these supporting players like DHS and and Scott and, you know, like like I mentioned, Geronimo, good defender, but really – not producing on the offensive end like he needs to? Uh, I mean, Jordan Geronimo, he's the one I know the most about just because the raw potential that he you thought was there for his entire tenure at Indiana just was always so frustrating to see it not just come to fruition. Um, I mean, he was good for those nights where he goes six for six, like in a few one or a few games a season. Um, he gave Maryland that last the game before he they played the Hoosiers, but uh, yeah. And then uh, as for yeah, I mean other than that, just, Desha- Deshaun Harris Smith, like the Maryland fans listening to their Turtleheads podcast because I do give those guys a listen. It's nice okay. to get an insight into what's going on over there, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just it just seems like he has fallen short of every single possibly too high of expectation that those fans had for him. Well, and the expectation was that Jameer Young wouldn't have to do it all by himself. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was like, Oh yes. DHS is here. He's, he's going to help us out. He's going to give us what we need. And Jameer Young's going to feel like, you know, maybe he doesn't have to do as much. And then I feel like tonight he just basically reverted back and said, if you're going to make me do it all by myself, I will. I mean, he had six turnovers in that game. So you don't want to see that, you know, three assists to six turnovers, but it felt like, it felt like he had to. It felt like that was what he had to do to win this game. So, um, Sonny, you have any more additional thoughts on this game before we move on? No, not really. Again, I wasn't really able to watch. So, gotcha. Um, I will point out Clary and Baldwin, big game from then tonight. Uh, Wahab, you know, had his normal uh, nine plus rebounds. He had nine in this game. So, um, I think there's a lot. You know, kind of like I've said in other episodes, I think there's a lot uh, to look forward to with Penn State. I think Mike Rose is a good coach. He just kind of has to get his guys in there and, and start making that happen. So, all right, let's go ahead and talk about Dylan Harper commits to Rutgers. This is a huge commitment, guys, especially with Ace Bailey. Uh, also, I think his high school teammate, right? I mean, just being able to recruit him, get him there, that kind of stuff. I mean, just, just a huge situation for Rutgers on the up and up right now. The basketball team, not really as much. They lost to Wake Forest tonight, and that wasn't exactly pretty. But I mean, th- this is a really good, a really good thing. Uh, Steve Peichel was looking like you know a really, a really good recruiter in this situation. So, Burke, let's go to you first. Are you concerned with this addition and the addition of Ace Bailey? Are you concerned with facing Rutgers in the future in the Big Ten? I'm no, because those guys are not going to be here long enough to become like the true crazy threats that they could possibly be if they spent four years there. But I am like, this is awesome. This is awesome for Rutgers. Yeah. Like they're, they are a fan base who deserves some excitement like this, something to supercharge their program. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be exciting. Those are two of the top three guys of the class. That's a hell of a class. Like, 
24-7, they're the top two. Like right now, they are playing the basketball on par with, I would say, the Maryland team right now. And uh, just having a future, man, having a future can be so exciting. It can keep a fan base going. And uh, I, 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 am, I am excited to see a bunch of ludicrous Rutgers fans next year. Of course, like, hey, they, they've gotten the better of us in the rack time like far more times than i would have liked but it's it's still just two two freshmen isn't enough to make me fear you especially when we'll have a third year malik renew we'll have uh hopefully liam mcneely and uh Derek queen coming in uh but we'll have our pieces we'll have established pieces rutgers will as well but if those guys came here they're going to be given more than their fair share of time and uh yeah just good and bad for the Rutgers program so I I don't I don't feel any way about it really well I'm there with you you know he's not gonna last long but I I think what this does for Rutgers fans more than anything is it it gives you excitement about Steve Peichel just in general with his recruiting and bringing in talent because Rutgers has been good lately but they've not had like that star right that fans could kind of rally behind, you know, McCulley and, and Cam Spencer, those guys, I mean, they were, those were really good players, but they're not like the NBA level star that you can kind of rally behind. Uh, Ace Bailey and Dylan Harper, they give you that, especially coming in together. I mean, Dylan Harper is six, six, a combo guard. I mean, that's an NBA size guy who's going to, whether it's one year two, however long he's there for, you're going to really be able to rally behind that guy and really, be able to to look at your team in a different light. So you're not just like the raw, raw defensive team, but you have more talent there that you can get behind. And I think that's really empowering for a fan base and really empowering for a team as well. Sonny, what are some of your thoughts about this team with Dylan Harper going forward? I mean, I think they can be very good next year just because I hold Peichel in very high regard. I think he's legit one of the best uh, coaches in the conference. And obviously, you know, with uh, Harper and uh, Bailey, it's there's a lot of exciting times coming uh, uh, to the Rutgers. But with excitement comes expectations. Right. And next year, you know, there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to be watching uh, Bailey and Harper. And, you know, the pressure is going to be on Pykele to develop these guys into one and done lottery players, because if they're not, you know, the 2026, you know, second uh, rated player in New Jersey is going to see what happened to Harper. And it's like, you know what, if I go to Duke, you know, I'm, I know I'm going to be a top five pick. You know, if, you know, Harper struggles a little bit or has to stay for a year two or he falls out of the lottery, that's going to bring a lot of baggage to Rutgers uh, in the future. So, you know, I mean, it's exciting times, but at the same time, Michael's got to do the best coaching job he can trying to balance team success next year with, you know, getting these two guys ready for that next level. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, we're, and we're kind of seeing it a little bit with Maryland right now with the Sean Harris Smith, right? A top 30 recruit in the class last year. And he, he's not playing like it. Uh, and I hate to, you know, I hate to say that because we just, you know, we just gave Maryland their flowers with Jameer Young and Julian Reese, but uh, you have to have him come in and produce early. Doesn't mean he has to be the star of the Big Ten, but he has to be able to come in and produce early because, you know, there there could be uh, some bad, you know, thoughts based on expectations if he's not able to do that. Burke, what are uh, some of your thoughts about the expectations of the team going forward? I, I just wanted to build on what Sonny was talking about just with Peichel and how he is a great coach. He is a great coach, but it's going to be a truly different test of his coaching abilities because he's always been able to take lesser talent, play them up to play them up and almost seemingly simultaneously drag down the opposition's talent. And like that, that's where his bread and butter is. That's where he's made his money. And uh, now that he has the talent, it's going to be an interesting season to watch how he coaches that talent. Because you you don't have to drag you like you don't have to play the dirty ball when you got got when you got hoopers like that. Right. So are we 
I, I know Peichel just signed, you know, an extension recently. I think it goes through 30, 31 or something like that. I think it's like a $15 million buyout. So, you know, that, that, that's high, right? Uh, especially for a basketball coach. But, um, are we concerned about Peichel's future possibly getting poached by another program if he shows that he's able to, you know, get these recruits and if he's able to, to send them off to the NBA? Are we concerned about a possible, you know, larger school coming in and maybe trying to pay him more money, pay that buyout and get him out of there. Sonny, you have any thoughts on that? I mean, it's it's hard to tell with the way the college landscape changes next year, you know, like, yeah, it's Rutgers, but it's also going to be a big 10 job. And so Rutgers is going to have a lot more money, you know, yeah. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, if Tennessee uh, has another early exit this year, they may be looking to move on from Barnes. Uh, well, actually, Tennessee is not a good example. They're SEC. But, like, you know, there's other programs that may be held on a higher regard when it comes to basketball. But they don't have that $80 million coming in like Rutgers will have in this TV media deal. So right. my thinking is, will he be a target? Yes. Should he be a target? Yes. But if I'm Pykel at the same time, you know, that New Jersey area, you know, New York City's right there. They turn out a lot of talent from that area. And if he's got a gig, I mean, let's be honest, it's Rutgers. You know, it's, it's one of those situations where if he can make a tournament every year, those are the expectations. You know, next year they're going to be uh, entering the season ranked. And from what I read, I think it's like the fourth time in like 30 years that they're going to have a preseason ranking. The, the You know, the expectations are really low uh, up in New Jersey. So, you know, for someone like Pico, he might just be in the right spot. But if I'm a program who's looking to, you know, uh, make a change uh, as a head coach, he's one of the first guys I at least give a phone call to. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially, you know, being able to recruit. I think Bailey is like from Georgia or something like that. Being able to recruit a kid down from Georgia up to, you know, New Jersey. Um, you know, obviously Harper's from New Jersey, so kind of the hometown kid. That's a, you know, a, a good way to get him in there. But, you know, even Bailey, Ace Bailey was re- kind of recruiting Dylan Harper to go there. I mean, that's a that's a huge thing. Burke, you have any thoughts on Steve Pykel's future and whether he'll be with Rutgers long term? I mean, I think this bought him a hell of a whole lot of time. Like it did, for that program to land these two guys, that is a monumental feat. That well, is yeah, a monumental feather soon. in his cap. Yeah. yeah. Like so uh I mean he could he could just have one of those forever jobs if he plays this all right. And and like Sonny said, why why go elsewhere? We don't know how this is all gonna shake out. It might just be the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big Twelve, and then nobody else matters whatsoever. We don't know how all this shakes out in a few years. You know, it's 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 kinda like, you know, what if the Illinois or Indiana job opened up? You know, and you know, we have the money, we have the fan base to go after and give Pykel a raise. But the expectations reset if Pykel's uh, one of our coaches. You know, like yeah. we want to be competing for Sweet 16s, Final Fours every single year, and that's something like the folks that you know were Rutgers fans. Really, they're just happy to be competing. So you know, as we're kind of talking about, he he's got a good gig right now. So I don't know if he wants to change that up at all yeah yeah don't bite the hand right um yeah no i I think you guys are right i think it it also comes with you know what what is the program's expectations because ruckers has not been you know the expectations of a yukon or a kentucky or anything like that obviously not saying that you know if anything happens to those guys they're going to come calling for pikel i don't think uh kentucky would would become calling for pikel um but you know it's one of those situations where if you can really get a good run and you can make this happen, you can be there for, for a while. And I think you guys make a good point. The money, the money in the big 10 is nice right now. I mean, if this really does come into like a, a power two situation to where the big 10 and the sec are kind of above everyone else and making these things happen, you know, Steve Peichel, he's going to have a lot of reasons to stay at Rutgers. Uh, Yeah. Got a couple million reasons to stay at Rutgers. Like exactly. Got a couple um, tens of millions of reasons. Yeah, exactly. And if he's, you know, I, I think it gets underrated, especially with basketball coaches. I, get, I think it happens more with basketball coaches where like when you find a school 
that you can be integrated in, that your family's happy at, that you're in an area that you like and you enjoy. Uh, that seems to be more of a bigger deal for basketball coaches than it is football coaches. Um, and so I think at the end of the day, Rutgers could find their long-term coach right here if they just keep him happy and and they do pay him well. I I don't know. I don't I don't think I see Rutgers or not Rutgers. I don't think I see Pykel leaving Rutgers anytime soon, even if the money or the job is better somewhere else. I I think they got their guy for the long haul if they want him. So yeah, I'd feel good about it if I were them. Yeah, yeah, especially if you can keep recruiting like this as well. Yeah. So. All right. Any more thoughts on Pykele or Dylan Harper or anything like that, guys? No. Hey, just hey, Dylan. Don't even think for a second any of the Indiana fans fell for your troll, like deleting posts and posting new ones. Like, don't even think about it. You didn't get us, dude. We can't get got like that. Trust me, I'm an Ohio State fan. I'm living through JJ Smith right now, uh, the the wide receiver that's visiting Florida State and everywhere else. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a fun life when yeah it's a fun game they play sometimes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so all right hey guys appreciate you coming on uh, appreciate all of you listening uh hope you enjoy the basketball games this weekend we're gonna have another basketball episode on sunday we're gonna kind of get into the basketball rhythm right now it's, you know the bowl season's happening for football right now there's kind of a dead period there's a lot of talk about the transfer portal but there's only so much we can say because at the end of the day, nobody really knows what's going on with that. So we're going to do basketball episodes uh, more often here going forward. Uh, but do go check out over on the community page in the YouTube. I put the schedule for the rest of the year or not the rest. I guess it is the rest of the year because it's December uh, in there. So you can know when basketball episodes are, when football episodes are. So anyways, thanks for watching everybody. Thank you to Sunny and Burke for being here. Have a great night, guys.